Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. So I've talked about it on social media and I'm going to talk about it with you here now that I have been adding vital proteins, collagen peptides into my diet. It's been a supplement that I have been going to in this postpartum time especially, but we've been using vital proteins for years now. Yeah. And we've talked about collagen on podcasts with guests before and just how vital it is because it's found in all of our connective tissues tendons, ligaments, and bones with its purpose being to provide these body parts with their strength, structure, and elasticity. And especially as we get older, we become less efficient at producing collagen, which is why we recommend introducing this into your diet as an ingestible or a supplement. And really, I mean, we can see that after 30 even, that collagen production really starts to drop 1% per year. And like you said, we just become less efficient at producing it, which is why you know rec- we recommend starting to add this into your diet, especially something like the collagen peptides that's unflavored. It's really easy to just put those four tablespoons into your smoothie. I sometimes just mix it in with water or almond milk. And just knowing that you're getting this into your diet, that really is going to help to support strong tendons and ligaments and really help support mobility and people experiencing these common signs of joint discomfort associated with heavy exercise and just the typical, you know, what they say, wear and tear of the joints when we're starting to age. So that's why we've chosen Vital Proteins. And really one of the reasons we love them is because they're Whole30 approved, paleo friendly. It's made without gluten and dairy, and it's sourced from the hides of grass-fed, pasture-raised bovine to ensure a really high-quality and sustainable source of this powerful ingredient. So we would recommend you go and try it out. Introduce it into your diet. Feel the difference that it might bring into your body. You can go down to the link in the show notes and make sure you use code OPTIMAL15 at checkout to get the special 15% off for our podcast audience. You got the link down in the show notes. Make sure you use code OPTIMAL15 at checkout. We are honored to have Dr. Shafali on the podcast today, dropping all her wisdom on parenting. Now she received her doctorate from now she received her doctorate in clinical psychology from Columbia University. Specializing in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy, she brings together the best of both worlds for her clients. She is an expert in family dynamics and personal development teaching courses around the globe. She has written four books, three of which are New York Times bestsellers, including two landmark books called The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. And today we are going to discuss her new book called The Parenting Map. Dr. Shafali, thank you so much for taking the time and speaking with us today. I knew I know you are on a whole book tour just getting this parenting map out there for so many people and really helping to change the game in so many ways for parents, which is now something that my husband and I, Dom yes, and I are in. Very relevant so, topic for us. <laughs> this is just so perfect timing. I know. Well, thank you. It's you know, before you become a parent and you hear about you know, stuff on parenting, it really doesn't affect you. And it's just stimulating and it's interesting. It's even entertaining. But once you become a parent, it just changes the game, doesn't it? And it becomes so real, so emotional. 
now, now you're like, wow, if only I had asked a million more questions, if only I had paid attention to all my pregnant friends before. Uh, but you know, it's something that you just can only experience once you're in it. Oh yeah. That is the truest thing. And I feel like it's all the cliche things that people tell you when you're about to become a parent, like you'll never love anything more than you love that little baby when it comes out and you'll never understand how it changes life until you are actually <laughs> in it and doing it. Taking a quick pause from the interview to talk about one of Jen and my favorite things that not a lot of people are conscious about throughout the day, and that is staying hydrated. It is seriously one of the most important aspects of our health, making sure we're getting in enough water, making sure we're getting in those electrolytes and keeping our body hydrated on a cellular level. That's why Jen and I use Element. It is seriously one of our favorite things, and I almost can't drink water without it now because it tastes so good, but I also know that I'm getting the sodium, potassium, and magnesium that my body needs throughout the day to keep my body hydrated and keep it functioning properly. These electrolytes can seriously help with so many processes in the body, like your sleep, your bowel movements, keeping your brain fog down, making sure that your muscle contractions and muscle cramps aren't too severe. So if you want to try out Element and find a way to keep yourself going back to that bottle and staying hydrated throughout the day, go down to the link in the show notes. It is just drink element like lmnt.com backslash optimal. You get a free sample pack with all the different flavors with every single order. So go down to the link in the show notes, grab yourself some element and stay hydrated. All right, let's get back to the interview. And so super excited to dive into this topic, especially with your uh, new book that is out, The Parenting Map, um, which I know has tons of good tidbits in it. But what made you so passionate and excited about this topic of parenting to the point that you have multiple books out on it? Well, it's not so much that I'm into parenting as I'm into healing. Mm -hmm. And I see as a clinical psychologist how much of our unhealthy patterns in adulthood come from childhood. So, mm. you know, that's what got me interested in childhood. And then I began working with parents and became a parent myself. And I saw, I saw how I was contributing to my child's mental ill health right there. Like mm -hmm. I was seeing it, I was doing it. So it kind of woke me up to wow, if I'm doing it and I'm in a PhD clinical psychology program and I'm, you know, I'm financially stable, I'm in a relationship, imagine what others are doing mm. who have no awareness. Mm -hmm. So that just sent me on this mission of conscious parenting, which is very different than the traditional parenting model, where, because the traditional parenting model doesn't challenge the parent to look at their own crap at all. Yeah. So when I began doing conscious parenting 13 years ago, no one was talking about it. And I was one of the first who began telling parents that, hey, you need to parent yourself. You need to look at yourself. And I wrote my first book called The Conscious Parent. And that was breaking ground and revolutionary. And so since then, I've written three more books. And this latest one, The Parenting Map, is the how-to. My other books were more the what and the why. I felt I needed to write three books on just the what and the why because it was such a revolution, such a paradigm game changer that it needed three books. And then now, after 13 years and conscious parenting is now a thing, it's a movement, it's a mission. Now I felt ready to give the how 
So this is a 20-step breakdown. You don't have to read my other books to read this one. It's, it's my best book on parenting, I think, so far. And it just has the, the what, the why, but also the how. I think that's what's so crucial. It's the, it's the implementation of how you do this because it is scary to think like for me right now of raising this and, and helping to guide this little human into becoming their own person, but mm. knowing that I'm I'm around them all the time. So I'm going to be influencing them. And what does that look like and how am I guiding? And I know something that you talk about a lot is connection over correction. And that's something that's really huge and, and stands out for me because in the traditional sense of parenthood, you know, it is so much about correcting and reacting to things. So how do we start to shift that correction into connection? Well, first is to realize that most of our need for correction is not based in abundance or empowerment or beauty or connection. It's coming out of control, panic, fear, mm. and a mm. lot of our own issues. You know, so many times a parent will tell a kid, you know, shh, be quiet or go hug grandma or why are you so shy? So they'll think that they are doing character development and they need to correct the behavior. But most of that behavior is just the child being the child, right? Mm -hmm. The other day, uh, a client came to me and said, you know, my nine-year-old, we went, we went bowling and the whole time he was in a bad mood. So I told him, that's it. We're going home. So I said, why? Like, why couldn't he just be in the bad mood? Because that's, you know, I spent all this money and we, I made all this effort and he's just being so grumpy. And I said to him, well, why didn't you connect to him? Why didn't you like maybe say, hey, buddy, I see you're having a hard time. Can I connect with you? And the father just went, oh, I didn't <laughs> even think of that. <laughs> so, so most of the times we're correcting things because it's making us uncomfortable. It's making mm. us feel like, the, the movie that we had in our mind is not playing out. And we feel like we need to hamper down on correction. And what we don't realize is that in all those moments, we may be coming out of deep panic, deep fear, deep projection, and we miss out on connection. Why do we need to correct? Why can't we connect? Why can't we educate? Why can't we come from a spirit of collaboration, negotiation, you know, reciprocity? This old model of the parent knows best and the child needs to be disciplined and punished. All of this is very much anchored in primitive fear that is not explored on the part of the parent. And, you know, you and I were raised in this way for most, for the most part, your generation, my generation. Yeah. And we need a revolution because most of us grew up with these unhealthy patterns of suppression, oppression, not using our voice, not feeling safe. Because our parents lived in fear. No, I think that's such a great example. The the bowling example you brought up of, you know, the parent who's just trying to say, no, don't act this way. Okay, we're just leaving. And, you know, you do really miss out on that opportunity to make the child feel, sa feel safe and, and understand a little yeah. bit more about why they may be feeling the way that they're feeling. And I, I like how you're talking about how a lot of these reactions come from our own crap as parents <laughs> and how we're not, as the parent, often forced to look at our own stuff and, and what where that might be coming from. So how can a parent who's in the pits of it with like we are as a seven, eight week old kid start to 
flip the mirror on ourselves and look at ourselves and, and take the time to address some of this innate stuff that was taught into us as a child? Well, it's hard to call the parent to consciousness. The parent has to become aware. You know, for me, it came about because I was yelling at my kid. I didn't like it. I saw the fear in her eyes. I could see it and I woke up and I said, hey, you know, I don't like this feeling. I don't want to be this kind of parent. Why am I this parent? How can I change? Why am I doing this? So when I saw myself do it, I didn't like it. So I was sensitive enough and attuned enough to say, I want to do it a different way. So no one can make a parent do it. The parent has to come to the precipice of that awakening on their own. But typically, if the kid is doing really bad in school or really acting out or really in in mental trouble in their teen years, at least then the parent may bring the kid to therapy. And then maybe if the therapist is wise and follows conscious parenting, the pa- the therapist could tell the parent, hey, can we look at your stuff here as well? Mm-hmm. But it's very hard for the parent who is completely walled off, blind, you know, immune to wake up. And and that's why my work is really difficult because here I am trying to wake parents up and most parents are not even aware that they need to wake up. But I still do this work because I get one out of 1,000 that will wake up and that's uh, that's powerful, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, that idea of needing to control, you know, comes from I mean, obviously our own stuff, but that sent that fear of judgment from the outside world too. If I don't correct, if I don't discipline my child right here when I'm out in public, what are people going to think? My kid is just reacting or they're having a meltdown and they're having an emotional, like that's not okay. And we make this not okay. So how is that okay? How do we then guide an emotional situation happening with a child when we know we're not trying to put our own stuff, we're not trying to worry about what society is thinking, but at the same time, this is happening in in a public scenario. Like, How does a parent then step in and help to guide and connect with the child in that sense? Well, first is to, you know, tell all the parents who are judging the parent, the parent can say, hey, what are you guys judging? Like, back off me. This is a child who's struggling and I'm going to honor the child. And we can gently, you know, redirect the child, take the child outside. You know, children, you see, they can get into a storm of emotions really fast, but they can also get out of it fast. Mm. But if you add to it, it becomes worse. Mm. So you can just gently, you know, hold them, cuddle them, contain them, love them through it. Just watch the waves come and watch the waves go. Take them outside, go on a drive, make them laugh. You know, they're also extremely redirectable Mm. uh, children. You know, you just go, hey, look at that helicopter. Suddenly the kid will forget that they were crying, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's not that hard. What what makes it hard is if the parent decides this is hard. Yeah. And, you know, the adage, my kid is having a hard time. My kid is not giving me a hard time, right? So if you can just understand that the child is struggling, then you can be creative in the moment and um, have fun. Like another client came to me and said, you know, my kid keeps hitting me. And the the partner said, no, your, your kid keeps hitting you because he wants to play with you. So that was the number one reframe. Hmm. But then the father was like, but I'm tired of the kid hitting me. It hurts. So he's right. So I then said, okay, 
why don't we all create flags? Like, and when, if everyone's flag is not out, means we're not playing, right? The, the child thinks he can get you to play and he's hurting you in the meantime. So let's just get flags out and make it a fun game. Like whose flags are out? Who's ready to play? And if the flags are not out, we don't play. So help your child deal with the struggle rather than yell at them for the struggle. I mean, how can you yell at someone when they're struggling? Yeah. Right. But, but we don't see our children as struggling. We actually, because of our issues with compliance, because of our issues with control and fear, we have such ego around it that we really think our kids are doing this personally to us. And, and they're not. They're really, they couldn't care less about us. They are just figuring life out. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And I, I love the examples you're bringing up. And my mom would probably be tickled by this, but I'm kind of hearing her in my ear, especially as she's, you know, had some grandchildren now and likes to give her parenting advice <laughs> here and there. And she always said, I, I always tried to not say no or to not use, use anything with a negative connotation when one of us as kids was acting out, she would always try to redirect. And like you said, kids are very redirectable, especially if you, you take that time to connect with them and say, oh, let's go do this or let's go do this. You know, often you might need to try three or four times, but you'll probably land on something that piques their interest enough to, to pull them away from whatever emotion or behavior that they were feeling in that moment. And I think that's so valuable. Um, so you mentioned earlier that this book is, is kind of a how-to guide that takes you through 20 steps. And I think I read somewhere that it's three stages. Can you explain what the three stages are? Sure. So it's I wrote it like a journey. So in the journey, we, like I work with my clients, we, the first stage is about changing mindset. And if our mindset isn't changed, then we won't buy into this. So the first stage is all about understanding why the old mindset is so dysfunctional, why it causes such fear, such shame, why we should definitely not do those, those things. And then stage two is all about the parent breaking their patterns. And um, I, I help parents identify their emotional patterns. Are you a fighter? Are you a fixer? Are you a feigner, a freezer, a fleer? And then stage three, I give very concrete steps to actually connect with our children? Like, how do we actually connect with our children? How do we validate them? How do we understand what they're going through? And so that, that step is really important because it really breaks, breaks down what you can do in real time. Yeah. I mean, this almost like reminds me of the ineffectiveness of just with school of like, oh, a kid is acting out. I'm just, you have to go to detention and you just sit there and have to, what, think about what you did or you get suspect. You like, it continues to be, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem driven into the child where now, you know, I, I don't know where, how this is everywhere, but I know where my sister works at an elementary, they have mindfulness if if something is happening and you're acting out rather than going to detention you go to, and i don't know what they do exactly but they do mindfulness right. and i think right. that's amazing you know and and a part of starting to guide and and change how things are are driven into children but how do we do that if one parent is reading this book and starting to understand themselves but the other yet is not open to that yeah, you know, that's one of the most common questions I get. Um, 
So I often say that one conscious parent is better than none. Mm. And it would be heaven utopic if both parents were doing this work. It's hard enough for one to do it. So for the one who is awakening, it is lonely, but we have to do this for our children. And, you know, you as one parent can provide such an amazing safe harbor for your kids. And, you know, imagine two parents being unconscious. I mean, that is just, that's just, you know, we'll kill the kid. So at least one is present. One is able to help the child articulate, to process their feelings. And that's huge. We shouldn't underestimate how big an impact that one parent can have. No, I think that's super important to, to keep in mind. And I was also wondering, like, parents might get this type of book or, you know, even be introduced to this concept of conscious parenting at, at any stage throughout parenting, whether they have a, a young little bug like we have or their kids are all in their teens or their kids are even adults. Like, is it ever too late for a parent to be introduced to and start practicing conscious parenting to start healing themselves and also mending or, or redirecting any relationship that they currently have with their child? You know, it's never too late because this is about the parent evolving, the parent growing. And, you know, my daughter's 20 and I'm only making the relationship better. Uh, yeah. There's no late. There is no regret. It's all about being here now and realizing that we are here now because of the mistakes of the past. So we wouldn't be here, right? So whenever clients come to me and they're so embarrassed that they're screaming at their kid or they just slap their kid, I always say, good, because that slap brought you here, right? Your, your child's pain brought you here. So let's now evolve together. We are coming um, not as ourselves, but as legacies of generations past. So don't, don't shoulder all the responsibility. We can only disrupt patterns when we wake up. So I'm all about, you know, starting right now, never too late. Even if your child is 40 years old, what a wonderful thing to text them or call them and say, hey, you know, I messed up as a parent. You still turned out great despite me, but I just want to own how sorry I am because I was unconscious. That is amazing healing work. Uh, and which, which human being doesn't want to hear that? Yeah. So we all do. Yeah, that, that's so huge. And I remember even uh, working with a client one time for physical therapy and she was saying, you know, I, I kind of admired the way that she was very open with her children and she allowed them to explore, you know, what they wanted in life. But she said, you know, in some way, I feel like no matter what you try to do, you're always, they're always mad at you for something. You you mess them up in some way because she said, my kids come, came to me and, and said, why didn't you make me do this? Or why didn't you force <laughs> me into this way? And, and, and for her, she thought she was, doing better because she was allowing them to choose for themselves. So is that true? Like, no matter what we try to do, is, is are we going to mess it up in some kind of form? Yeah, definitely. We, 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 <laughs> we already great, great. started messing it up. So the sooner you get your Bentley scratched or your rolls scratched, the better. You know what I'm saying? Get over it. Yeah. You're going to yell and then you're going to be like, damn it, I did so good for 12.2 months. And now I blew it. And you're going to be devastated. Let me just tell you. 
the first time I yelled at my daughter, I was devastated because you ruined the shiny new car. You're like, oh no, I've damaged her for life. So then I got over it because I was yelling every other day. I was losing my shit all over the place. <laughs> and once you unleash, you just, you're like, ah, forget it now. I've just ruined it anyway. But what, what I say really is don't presume that you're so infallible and so like superior that you're not going to fuck it up. But every other human being has fucked it up, right? Yeah. So don't, yeah. put, don't put that on yourself and, and laugh and have compassion the first time you yell and ruin it. It is going to happen, whether you do it because your kid is touching something unsafe or annoying you for the hundred and twentieth time, you're going to snap at your kid and you're going to feel terrible and you have to forgive yourself because that doesn't mean you've indelibly ruined them, uh, but it does mean that you've started and there is no escaping. And yes, your children will remember the one or two times you, you lost it. Like my daughter still remembers one time when she couldn't find me at at a cousin's house because I went to help the cousin in some other room and she's like, you abandoned me mm. and I'm, I'm scarred mm. for life because she was only four years old and terrified. Where was mommy? Damn it, I was just in the next room, right? But she was just like not coming out to look for me. So now I've damaged her and yeah. she's 20 and she still remembers. So it's not about not messing it up. It's about going to yourself and to your child. I will mess it up. We are all messed up human beings, but yeah. it's about me knowing you have the resilience to handle it. We'll course correct. We'll manage. We'll, we'll recover, right? Your child could get bitten by a dog. Your child could be scratched by a cat. You are not here to create a, you know, bubble wrap around your children. Yeah. You're here to say whatever happens, we'll deal with it together mm. slowly but surely. And that's what, what you try to aspire to, like the resilience, not the perfection. Mm. I just had to wipe a bead of sweat from my brow knowing that I will get up and I'll just have to <laughs> beyond that. Yeah. Deal with what comes from that. Um, so in someone's relationship with their child, even if they are making this, you know, forging forward into conscious parenting, but they just feel like their relationship is in a place where they aren't making any headway. Do you feel like there's a point where it's beneficial or could help for them to go to family therapy, family counseling, to have some sort of mediator to help through some of that healing and help process through some things. 100%. Everybody should go to get help. Like I wish I knew me before I would have <laughs> helped myself so much more. Uh, so help is lovely. It's, you know, the parent needs to enter humility mm. that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not know. You know, we've been trained that we should know and that we are embarrassed if we get help. But that's not true. We don't know. How can we know? We've never met this person before. And um, every stage is different, mm -hmm. you know? So we need to allow ourselves to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep evolving. And, and we owe it to ourselves and to our children. So, yeah, I'm all for learning and growth. And that's been the problem, really, that no one has really challenged parents uh, to say, hey, grow. We've been telling parents, oh, you'll know what to do. It's so natural. It's the nat most natural thing in the world. No, the biological aspect is natural. Nothing else is natural. Yeah. Everything else takes growth and evolution, especially today because we're not living naturally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And I think I like that you brought up that idea that, you know, of trying to let go of the perfection of the parent. And I, I feel like that 
that's what parents fall into a lot because they want they want so badly to see their child succeed to see this this ideal little human you know in whatever expectation they have built up in their mind of what success really looks like and how do we you know help guide without putting that on a, a child yeah, you know, that's exactly it. We want successful, perfect, supersonic children. And that's what we put on our children. Our, we never reached perfection. We have shame about it. But instead of healing ourselves and accepting ourselves, mm. we now project that desire onto our children. Yeah. So it's all about us being okay with ourselves. Because the moment we're okay with our ordinary selves, we'll be okay with our children being ordinary. And most children are just ordinary. And that's amazing. And then if they are supersonic here, supersonic, they're good for them. But you're not telling them that they're not worthy unless they are that, right? We grew up with that. So mm -hmm. we don't want to pass that message down to our children. Mm. So one important question that I have, because you've told me that I, I, I'm not supposed to control, I'm supposed <laughs> to connect. And I right. really want my child to be musical because I have a <laughs> musical background, but I always say that my mom forced me to start taking piano lessons. And now that I'm in my 30s, I have learned to love that I have that background. Is it okay for me to force my kid to take <laughs> piano lessons? <laughs> you know, you, well, you know. I, you know, I don't know whether you're a better human being because you play the piano. You just, you like it. You do it because you enjoy it. So if your child enjoys yes. it, sure. Yeah. But listen, the world is not changing because you play the piano, right? Like, mm -hmm. no. like what we make it such a big deal and nothing is a big deal. Uh, uh, like so that. just keep things in perspective, <laughs> you know, like don't torture your child, you know? Yeah. So no smacking his fingers with the ruler if he messes up. I know. <laughs> I, listen, I went to a piano teacher who smacked the shit out of my fingers, and I hated her. And I, I to this day can't stand her. Like I still have memories. So you can yeah. you can try to push as much as the child allows you to, but I would yeah. watch it. I would see the joy on your child's face, see the rapture. Yeah. I would rather the child spend their time doing something they love. Because yeah. that fills their bank. And when they grow up, they're not burning out. Like it worked for you, but you're also probably a type A disciplined, super, <laughs> you know, rigid, you know, whatever. I mean, I've seen some <laughs> of your workout videos. You have to be kind of on the high end of discipline to be you, right? Yeah. So yeah. Your, your child may not be you. And, and Jen yeah. is the same. Jen is like, yeah, yeah. But Jen, you're the same, okay? You're also <laughs> super, you know, ambitious and... Uh, successful. So just be careful. Your poor child yeah. is two driven people and uh, that's a lot. So one is bad enough. Now both of you are like that. So <laughs> I'm just wondering you. Oh, good go luck. Easy. Good luck, Dante. Now you're like, but you're, like, you're like very successful people. So just, just be careful. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I do ask that kind of tongue in cheek because I know that putting an environment around our kid in a way that that ends up in him loving those things, ends up in him loving to be active like his parents are active because of exactly. the enjoyment he gets from him, loving the music that he grew up with dad playing whatever instrument and sing. Exactly. Know. So instead of making him do something, you share your love for it. You, yeah. you love it. You enjoy it. You do it. And then if it catches, it catches. 
that is the way to do it, to create the environment rather than force the child. I always say, correct the environment, don't correct the child. If the environment Mm -hmm. is good enough and there are no cookies, you won't be yelling at your kid not to eat the cookies. Take care of the environment. Mm. I think that's so huge and the environment is is you and that's why it comes down to like being a conscious human yourself as a parent in order to help guide guide the children because you know if if you're not working on the things that you know that you need to be for yourself and for what makes you a happy human how are you expecting to model that for someone else and in in theory it sounds great it sounds easy in practice i'm sure it's going to be a daily grind so is this something that you know when someone starts to go through these 20 steps in your book it do you give them a a a practice of how this is going to kind of go through the stages of of parenting (laughs) you know because it's going to change in every stage so how do we continue on this awareness of being conscious yeah, I mean, I give practice exercises after each step, step by step by step. If people do the whole 20 steps and take a good 20 days to read it and really metabolize it, they will be a different parent at the end of it. Mm. So I want you both to read it and tell me, okay? Yes, Especially we will. Parents, I would love you to read it. Oh, yeah, we will. This is great. And, and within all of this and within all the work that everyone who reads your book is doing and Jen and I hope to be doing for I'm sure the next rest of our lives yeah, as we're forever. parents for, you know, from now on until we leave this earth. Like we live in a noisy world and we live in a, in a relatively toxic social environment with everything that gets shared on popular media channels or social media channels about how to be a parent. Can you speak briefly to that toxicity and just like, how can you start to tune that out? Yeah, I mean, you just have to know yourself, be grounded in yourself, stay away from the noise. It's becoming so difficult. I cannot even imagine raising a child today compared to, it was difficult enough when I was raising a child. I was barely present. I had to like really meditate and be mindful. But I didn't have a phone in my pocket constantly distracting. me. And so today it's just even more imperative for the parent to be very grounded very centered, very still. And I think both of you do that and and keep doing it and don't fall for the trends. Don't get caught up and swept away in the comparison culture. You have to be really brave and don't give screens to your kid till they're like in their teen years, like just Mm. know. And create a community of other parents who think like you. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. I mean, this is huge and it really does... It really does always come back to awareness and catching it within ourselves in order to start to make change. And, you know, I I love that you wrote a book of how people can start to gain that awareness within themselves and then the steps that they can take to start to create change. And once that happens, you know, what a better world that we'll all be in and raising kids in and everyone being a little bit more self-aware and empathetic and emotionally, you know, empathetic toward others. I think that's that's so incredibly huge to be able to create this shift and brave enough to be talking to parents because oftentimes parents don't want to be corrected, right? <laughs> they don't want to be challenged in their ways. 
So I, I really commend you for the work that you're continuing to do and the way that you're, you're kind of leading it and saying, hey, I messed up as well. And this is how I'm now moving forward in my life with my children as well. I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. It, yeah, it is a revolution. It's not about one child. It's about the future of our world. And this is foundational. That's why I spend so much time and energy on it. It's because this is it. This is how we cause the first and biggest damage. And not because we need to be perfect. Again, it's because we're unaware mm -hmm. that we are imperfect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this delusion and I call it the parental ego. So yeah, people need to read this book. It's called The Parenting Map. It, it's 20 steps to consciously build the ultimate parent-child connection. I thank you for helping me spread this word out there because the more moms and dads like you uh, spread the word and be this ambassador, the better it'll keep moving. I can't do this on my own. It really, it's not a popular message. It's a provocative message. It's not a feel-good message necessarily, although ultimately it, it lends to the greatest liberation and freedom and connection. But on the way there, it bursts so many ego bubbles that oh, parents yeah. don't like it. So I need help from enlightened, you know, new parents like you to be its ambassador. So I'm so excited for you to read it. I'm so excited you have a baby so you can, you can help me spread conscious parenting. Thank you. Love that. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Shafali, for being on with us and, and sharing a bit of your wisdom. We will have the book linked up down in the show notes. Is there anywhere else, website, socials that people can just go to learn more from you? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. It's Dr. Uh, spelled out Shafali. And uh, my website is drshefali.com. Um, so yeah, my Instagram page is always popping with lots of insight and self-awareness and empowerment tips. Incredible. I'm so excited to read this book myself yeah. and really dive through those 20 steps and see what I unpack as we start this new journey. And thank you again so much for writing it and being on and taking the time to spread this message to everyone. So thank you. Personally, I'm so excited to get my hands on a copy of this book so I can start to become a more conscious parent to our little bug. So if you want to get your hands on a copy, go check the link out down in the show notes. Also, remember, we are starting to give some more information on the Roll Into Hit collaboration that Jen did with one of our favorite guests, Jill Miller. It's going to be all about rolling and pre-covery and recovery rolls of the body with Jill and hit exercises with Jen. But it's not going to be traditional hit. It's going to help really gauge you into hit to make it less intimidating. Check out the link in the show notes. It's going to give you so much more information. And if you sign up for the waitlist right now, you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content when the sale goes live. So check that link out to learn more. And of course, we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.